FMX Network Production. You cast me a complete me till What's up, guys? It's Alex Gray, and you're listening to the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. That's all we need is more fake news, Pulp MX bullshit. It's quality, not quantity. All right, man? Welcome to the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. This is Dark Side from the Moto X Pod Show. This is the number one wrap-up show in the moto industry, where each week, myself and a couple guests wrap up and discuss the good, the bad, and the janky in that week's Pulp MX Show. But before we get started, I want to thank all the sponsors who've come on board. Guts Racing, Michelin Bicycle Tires, Seal Savers, and Motosport.com. I appreciate all the help and support from those great companies, so please use them and support them. Also, feel free to reach out with questions, comments, or critiques by emailing me, darkside at pulpmex.com. All right, let's wrap this thing up. I was on the treadmill, and there I was on MAV-TV at the gym. We yeah. tried to go fast. We yeah. tried to hit some jumps. Yeah, I don't. I, I like grinding these rides out. We couldn't give the award, the Horizon Award winner to Cole Martinez or Mike Brown. I'm not very happy right oh. now. Turn that frown upside down. You know what would help? What? Sushi. Is the show almost over? People just beating off over the amateur races. Super motocross to talk about. I, I hate that name. 16% more traction when new. How do you measure that? Yeah. The nightlife does a lot more damage. But I got so beat down by you heathens, that my mental health was suffering more than my actual physical health. So Barry's down a tooth. I got to go to Loretta's one of these years. I got to go. You I do? Just, I, oh. I Every hole lines up. You could argue to start it with the uh, highly expensive sushi order. So I was like, oh, shit, we got some work to do now. All you do is suck roost. I don't know like where my mental state is, but I'm my physical body is, is home, yes. <laughs> there will not be a team announcement at Unadilla. I don't feel good. I don't feel like that my soul is inside my body. And he was on me like I was chicken. That fucker was on me. <laughs> TwistedTea.com, 5% alcohol, non-carbureted. Who says it needs to be fair? We don't want you to whip your dick out. It's a clown show, just like the motocross the nations. You get rammed yeah. in the ass. I'm a plumber. I, I, it's like people rent the fucking left lane. Like it's theirs yeah. for the day. It's like they're going to ass pack you. <laughs> Nothing. He's a piece of shit. All right, guys. After what feels like a very long break, we're back with the Pulp Mix Wrap-Up Show. I am your host, Dark Side from the Moto X-Pod Show and Vital MX. I'm brought to you tonight by Michelin Bicycle Tires, which thank you, Randy Richardson. I have a set of bicycle tires on the way for my road bike for all my quote-unquote pedaling I'm doing. On the phone, first up from Pro Filter and brought to you tonight by Guts Racing, Trevor Reese. What's up, Trevor? Not much, man. Just uh, finishing up the day here at uh, at Maxima, and uh, yeah, excited to jump on and, and uh, talk all things pulp. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on. Also on the phone from PDR Performance, which is a race tech service center up in Minneapolis. He's brought to you by Seal Savers, Clay Olson. What's going on, Clay? What's up, Dark Side? Doing good up here. Glad to be out of the heat. Yeah, that's one of the best parts of my new job is I don't really have to go outside a whole lot. And, uh, yeah, no more digging ditches, as Steve likes to say, or laying in ditches. But I'm staying out of the heat. I'm pretty much inside all day. It's been great. Uh, but, guys, we're here this week to talk about show 514. Paul Parabino's in studio. Race Tech's own checkers on the phone. 
the Open Pro Sports champion Cole Martinez on the phone. AEO Power Sports Jeremy Sism. I keep wanting to say schism, but I guess it's Sism. And of course, some guy named Weege. Uh, Clay, what'd you think of the show, man? Um, fun one. It was a good, it was a fun one. Um, I was actually at Loretta's the whole time. So I was kind of excited this one just to get everybody's reaction. And I'm pretty heavy into the amateur stuff. I follow it a lot, like watching it. So, um, I was excited for the show there. And then, uh, uh, having Paul on, I always like him as a co-host. He's really insightful. Um, he races, so he gets that side of it. And then he's also on the industry side. So I always thought, uh, he's a good co-host. He's got good insight on things. And, uh, the guests uh, were a little bit more amateur focused, which was a good uh, kind of wrap for the whole Loretta's show, I guess you could say this was. Yeah, very Loretta's heavy. Kind of a surprise. We're going to talk about that. Uh, what about you, Trevor? Yeah, I think it's uh, it's good to, to force Steve to talk a little bit of amateur racing, I think. So I enjoyed the, uh, I enjoyed the show. It's good to um, hear some insight from just some different guys and, and guys that maybe, you know, we don't, we don't hear a ton from on, on platforms like Colt and Max. Like I thought Cole was a good interview. I've, I've known Cole a long time, grew up racing against Cole. Um, and so I, I enjoy, you know, seeing Cole kind of come back and, and be that veteran guy that, uh, you know, had some really strong motos at Loretta's, which was, which was really cool to see. So uh, yeah. And Paul in studio is always good. Yep. And uh, yeah, yeah, it was a great show. It was, uh, was cool. Yeah, as we said, a lot of Loretta's talk. We had some super motocross talk. We had some rebellious employees. We had a laptop crash, and we even had a challenge to Steve. So we're going to get to pretty much all that stuff. Uh, Trevor, you just kind of talked about Cole Martinez. I was going to ask what your favorite segment or guest of the night was. Am I to assume it was Cole was your favorite? Uh, yeah, yeah, Cole was, Cole was good. Uh, and then, you know, I was at Loretta's from – Sunday through Thursday, so unfortunately I didn't I didn't get to stay through the weekend and, and kind of watch the final motos, but I got to see the, the opening motos and uh, yeah, just to kind of hear his perspective on kind of what was going through, you know, through his head and the helmet on the track versus kind of what I was seeing was was cool. Yeah, and, and Clay, you uh, what was a standout segment of the show? Um, Cole Martinez was cool just cause, uh, I'd heard the name before, but didn't really know a lot about him. So to get a little bit more insight and learn his background that, you know, he's not just one of these hotshot kids coming up, <laughs> yeah. um, but kind of one of the vet guys taking it to him. It was cool getting his insight. Um, and then, uh, AEO, uh, is that the company mm-hmm. power sports a- or whatever? Yep. AEO power, power sports. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just for a shop talk and kind of hearing some insight from him was, he was a cool guest too. Nice, nice. Well, yeah, first up, I mean, were you surprised, Clay, at how Steve really did seem somewhat invested in and kind of knew what happened at Loretta's? You know, he talks all the time about doesn't care about amateurs, doesn't pay attention. And it seemed like he knew a lot more of went on what went on this season, this year at Loretta's than in years past. Yeah, it surprised me. I can't tell like if he followed it that close or if he just like went to Cliff Notes in right. school and like look at the finishes and made some notes about it. But uh, it was cool. Just you know, it's the amateur scene. It's it's a big part of the sport as people come up and when you kind of know a lot of these young guys coming up and stuff um the racing is it's good racing you know and there's a lot of change over the pros you kind of know who the guys are when they come up and in the amateur scene you can have kids that are insanely good on 85s and if you keep watching long enough the hot shot there might 
be completely different five years later when they're on the big bikes. A hundred percent. Yeah. You know, it's fun to follow. And it was cool that it at least got a little attention on the show. Yeah. And Trevor, I like, you know, that Steve was kind of giving the kids the, the quote unquote hotshot kids, right. The, the rider D's and the, the chance Hymas's the benefit of the doubt a little bit. He was like, you know, I'm not going to shit on them for one week. I think that's fair, right? There's a lot of pressure, a lot of weight put on this one series. And Steve kind of recognized that and has talked about that over the years. Like it really doesn't matter in the end. So I kind of thought I liked his viewpoint on it that, yeah, okay. Some of these guys didn't have their, their best weeks, but it's not the end all be all. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, unfortunately and fortunately Loretta's has kind of become this, you know, the pinnacle of the sport. And when I say, unfortunately, I mean that you're going to have guys, you know, like Ryder D or Hymas who I think are going to be successful as a pro level racer that maybe have a week that's, that's tough and, and people get a, you know, different ideas on what they think of those riders, or you have a guy that's maybe under the radar and uh, comes in there and has an awesome week. And now all of a sudden gets an opportunity down the road because of how he did at Loretta. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a platform that I think allows people to really shine and maybe get an opportunity, but unfortunately can uh, hinder some guys. And, and I think a lot of it's just, you know, the, the pressure, the buildup, everything that comes along with Loretta's. And uh, I think, you know, a guy like Ryder, he's expected to go there and win. So uh, I think some of that weighs on him a little bit. And Paul kind of touched on it too. And, and I completely agree. It's all of a sudden your week can kind of just start snowballing. And, um, you know, all this buildup, all this work, everything, you show up there and, you know, you're racing open pro sport, for instance, on a 250 and you draw gate pick number 42. So now you're on the outside, you're racing against guys on 450s, you get a bad start, you get tangled up, you crash, first moto's done, that championship's wrecked, you know, it's that fast, right? So there's all this work, all this buildup, and a few things work out the way that they do, and now it's a, a really tough week for you. So, um, again, it's just, it's just kind of depends on, on your perspective on the race. But again, I think the guys that are, are going to move on from there, like a Hymas or a Ryder D they're they're going to be much more successful than, than what their Loretta's performance showed. Yeah. And I like Steve's outlook on that. I think he's accurate. Like it, yeah, we shouldn't put so much weight on that. So I think he's staying pretty level headed about it. Caden Braswell came up and I want to touch on him just a bit because Paul Parabinos was really high on him and, and I didn't really follow the amateurs a ton last year. So I was, you know, I was just listening to what Paul was saying Monday night, Clay, and, you know, how Caden was one of the biggest surprises of the week and and not expected to win. But then last night when I had Caden on, plug your ears, Steve, on the Moto X Pod show, Caden was like, well, I don't know why it's such a surprise. I guess he won a, a class last year or something. So I don't really understand where the surprise came from. And, I like, I didn't get that that um, knowledge or whatever from Paul and Pulp Monday night that Caden was actually fairly successful last year. Yeah. It's I, when he went out there and was winning it for me, it wasn't a big surprise, but I'm a little bit more invested. Like I've known the name, I've seen him around. He went to forget what big race it is, but it was like world minis or something like that. I think on 85s and like, he's been around and he's been a, you know, a lot of times, you know, factory supported kid and stuff. So I didn't know that he would be quite as good as he is, but you know, if you looked at the lineup and you were going to pick out kids that should be like in the top five, and if they have good races, title contenders, Caden would have been one of the dudes, you know, and then it all comes down to this 
this week either can go your way or it cannot, <laughs> you know, yeah. a kid like Caden is probably racing for a little bit more. So I could see where he maybe has that little bit of extra energy. I mean, you know, rider D or chance, they're not going to, this race isn't going to break them. You know, I mean, they're going to have their ride. They're going to sure. go into pro a kid like Caden. That's maybe a little bit on the edge. He probably doesn't have anything to lose. So you could see it where he might, you know, push a little bit harder and stuff just goes his way too. Yeah, absolutely. And guys, the, the vets at uh, Loretta's this week or last week were a hot topic of Pulp Mex. Let's listen to this. Martinez, Alessi, uh, Jimmy Albertson, Heath Harrison. These are guys whose pro careers are done. Yeah. And they're back at the ranch and they're beating these kids. Is that good or bad? Like, where is it? What's uh, your impression of that kind of stuff? To me, when a, and no offense to Cole Martinez, but when a guy who was a top 10 250 supercross rider, now off road, goes back to the ranch and runs with Rider D, <clears throat> I kind of say, hey, calm down because here's a professional. Are sports changing and evolving, right? I mean, we have guys going longer as professionals, too. Like, the older guys are beating up a lot of the young pros. Yep. We have training facilities all over the country now. All these top amateurs are only riding a 250 anymore. They're not riding the big bike as well, either. Everything goes in what ebbs and flows, so <laughs> yep. I'm not ready to be, like, make a, a, a judgment on... But this was a weird year. Yeah. In my mind, Ryder D and these other guys, Gavin Towers, they should be working these older guys that show up at the ranch. I'm not judging the amateurs from a week at Loretta's. The recent crop of kids, yes, Fry, Cantrell, I'm not judging them because it's too early. Like, they just started racing. Lots can happen. But are we in a down cycle? Trend, or the especially over the last however many years, seems that the amateurs aren't taking to the pro step as good as they used to. We got so spoiled from Kennard and Bogle and Eli, yeah. and, you know, and, and go on and go on, right? I think yeah, it's these a bunch super of, talents, right? They, yeah. they come in, and they're just like, Top three, Dino, bag it. It didn't take long for these kids to get up in the top three. I know. Or win. I wonder if this is a bigger indicator of anything. It really added a dynamic to the pro sport class because I know that there's a lot of people like, why are those kids guys in there and these kids need an opportunity? I think, what better learning experience can you get than have to try to pass these guys? Yeah. They're all in 450s. They're starting in front of you. And you could see it. They would think they made a pass. And the veteran guys would be like, nah, not yet. Trevor, a bunch of interesting points from that audio, that's some points that Steve brought up. Like, is it good or is it bad that these vets are not necessarily working the top kids, but beating them? Uh, you know, and then also, is our amateur, are, are our amateur riders trending downhill? I, I, what'd you take away from that? Because I think those are really relative and interesting questions to consider. Yeah, I think the biggest thing with the vet guys that come back and, and the advantage that they have is uh, typically they're going to be fit. And, you know, you have these kids now that maybe are just moving up to the A class where it's been, you know, maybe six months or eight months of 30-minute motos or 30 plus two, 35, whatever it might be. And you got guys that have been doing this for 10 or 15 years, right? So I think the biggest thing with the vet guys that come they come back to the ranches is, is race management. I think that's the biggest advantage that they have over these young kids. Is if they don't get the best start or they're in fifth place on the first lap, but they're in 10th place on the first lap, they don't override the track. They don't panic. They don't make dumb little mistakes that, you know, cause them to move or to lose another position or three positions or whatever. And basically, uh, you know, have to scramble or, or override or, or exert energy, you know? So 
I think that's the biggest advantage that they have is just is race management. So not taking anything away from these top level A kids. I mean, on paper, you want to look at lap times, lap for lap. I, I they they will go faster. I mean, I'm sure they can. If, if it was who can go fastest for a lap or two laps or whatever it might be, you're going to have these amateur kids that can go out there and throw down a lap. But in a 25 minute moto, these guys are able to manage the race better. Also, I think for for these top level A guys, you know, the the expectation of them going there and 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 now they got a guy that you know is like Cole, for instance. And this is nothing against Cole, but it's I bet you know Ryder and these guys didn't think twice about Cole showing up. I didn't. I bet it wasn't even a, a thought in their mind that they were going to be racing this guy for a title. And then all of a sudden he's in front of them, and then all of a sudden he's passing them back, and then he's putting a little bit of time on them. So they're scrambling, they're overriding, making mistakes. So I think it's um, you know, just they're, they're veterans and they understand how to go out there and, and manage a race. And then moving on to the topic of, you know, the crop not being as good as we've seen over the years. Um, I don't know. I, I have, I could, I could look at it from a couple of different ways. You're always going to have those one or two guys that are just going to be the elite that come through and, and turn pro and can win right away and fight for titles right away. And um, right now, I think what's gone on in the last, five six years is i think the accessibility to these kids coming up has improved drastically than what it was say 10 years ago where you have you know multiple training facilities um obviously the funding from some of these families there's a lot of families that uh are are in a great position financially and have the ability to put their kids at these training facilities so i think you have more opportunity for more guys to ride at a higher level where in the past there was just those one or two or three guys that were really, really fast. And then there was that second tier. And that was even at the, you know, the professional level and outdoors and supercross where now you've got, you know, this year has been a little bit different, but we're seeing, you know, 10 guys in the 450 class and multiple guys in the 250 class that are all on similar levels. So I think, like I said, the accessibility and opportunity for guys from a very young age to, um, you know, train at these facilities and progress quickly. I think that's kind of what you're seeing now is a lot of guys that are on the same level coming in fighting for, uh, you know, fighting to win basically. And so um, I, I don't think it's necessarily the crop's gotten worse. I just think that um, guys are putting in the time earlier and have more accessibility to be really, really elite level riders as they move through the ranks. Okay. Clay, what one thing that was – uh, maybe impressive is that Steve could have easily went into one of his rants and just been like, look at these, these million dollar contracts for these kids that, you know, aren't proven yet. And then they go out and they get beat by X pros. You know, he could have easily yeah. went down that, that, that path, but instead he did present it as like, Hey, is this beneficial? What are we seeing kind of getting us thinking? And I like that he approached it that way. You know, he didn't just blow this off as, <laughs> as one of his rants, which he could have easily done. No, he didn't. And it, you know, he approached it well. And I think the, the fact that these older pros are doing it, I wish they, there was a few more in there to mix yeah. it up and see where they land and push the kids a little bit, you know, and I, people, I don't think give enough credit to the fact that, you know, Cole Martinez or Heath Harris, you know, these dudes are like men, you know, I mean, they're in their mid twenties and I know I rode better at 25 than I did at 17. Mm. You know, I mean, you just learn, you get bigger, you get stronger, you get more fit. And, you know, as you get old, look at Tomac. I mean, he's in probably the best in right now and he's 
20, 30 years old, you know, so these guys coming back and challenging the kids. I mean, yeah, they're fast, but I, I think it's cool. And I think it's good to see, but I don't think it, it necessarily means the crop is thinning out at all. I mean, I made a couple notes, like with the crop thinning out, you got LeBlanc, Romano and Volan right now riding pro that are all in the age bracket that would probably be riding a class right now this year and then going pro. Mm, yeah. Good point. So if you throw all three of them kids back down in there, this looks completely different, you know? So the, the level of amateurs I think is as good or probably better than it's ever been. And when you look at the amateur racing scene too, you can get guys like Alessi that had a good pro career, but he was one of the best amateurs of all time. And Villapoto was racing at the same time and had one Loretta's title. Right. Dungy had yep. one, one Loretta's title. That's it. And he came out of nowhere. He's one of the best ever to do it. So you can only read so much into these races and to, to look at it like, this year last year and think that the crowd is thinning i definitely don't think that's the case i think they're just as good i just think there's more of them and it's looking diluted yeah i definitely am not ready to say that it's on a downhill our our amateurs are on a downhill trend uh one of the most intelligent comments though in all that audio we played was checkers from race tech where he said you know, this might be a good thing, right? I think it's good to have those kids battle against some guys that will fight back and that will run it in there. And it was funny that they got said. And then, again, last night when we're talking to Caden, I don't know, maybe he listens to Pulp. Uh, he did say he listens to some podcasts, but he said, hey, yeah, it was really good for me. I like those guys going out there because I would pass somebody and think I had them like normal in a normal amateur race, and all of a sudden they're coming back by me and pushing me wide. I'm like, oh, whoa, this isn't over yet. And, he's, you know, it taught him. He he explicitly said it did teach him some things, and he was really enjoyed it and, you know, took a lot away from battling with some of those guys. So I uh, I think it was a good thing, and I think that was a really, really good point by Checkers. So good job to our boy Checkers. Um, uh, he brought up a good point. I was talking to another, you know, amateur kid, and he was racing with Alessi and, you know, banging bars up front with them. And they're like, oh, you know, running wide and this. And it's like, it's those veterans, man, they race different. I yeah. mean, battle hardened. And these kids, you know, for being at Loretta's and being able to throw a couple of those dudes in there to knock them around and be like, hey, this is what it's going to be like when you actually get with the big boys and you've got a gate of 40 of us that are this <laughs> fast and not just, yeah. you know, sticks up front. Um, it's good. I don't, I think we need more of it, not less. Yeah, it was exactly what Caden Braswell said. Uh, I want to stay with Loretta's, but move on to Jason Wygant. We just brace got brought up. There were tweets about it. It was an internet sensation. Was weeds wearing his brace at any given time during the day? You could get a tweet about it. Let's listen to what he said. And then we'll, we'll comment a little bit. Twitter world wants to know what's up with the brace. You were seen with the brace on, you were seen with the brace off. I was getting DMS, uh, from the nightlife part of Loretta's with the brace back on. Like, yeah. what is going on here with the brace? What's what's the story? Are you okay? Are you recovered? What, what, what's happening? Okay, so uh, I, I don't feel like I need the brace at all. Uh, I move around and walk around all day in my house fine just without it. But I got so beat down by you heathens that my mental health was suffering more than my actual physical health. So because of you guys and your peer pressure, I took it off. Well, Rhino was there counseling everybody on mental health. You could have talked to him. <laughs> Trevor, I may or may not have cut out some of the explanation of why he wasn't wearing it all day, but the uh, the beat down, the peer pressure, 
first of all, this is a topic. This is more why, like the stuff I like from Pulp. All the race stuff's great, but I like this kind of stuff. I like the fun stuff. And the peer pressure from Pulp Nation, the beatdown that we may receive sometimes from Pulp Nation, it's real, and it will get to you. And I found it pretty funny that we just just like, yeah, I had to take it off just so people quit bucking with me. Yeah, I. Uh, it, it seems like that's kind of like the the trend just in the in the motocross industry in general. Is it's like we everybody in this is like uh, wants to like make it seem like it's not as big of a deal as it is, and then you get some pressure on you. Oh, don't be such a baby. Yeah, it's just a me. This and that. It'll change your change your mindset real quick. And uh, yeah, or cut yeah, your hair. Cut your hair. You yeah, know. cut your hair. Yeah, yeah. So. I'm sure peer pressure was uh, was heavy on weeds there, but I mean, to his credit, I, I mean, I've been going to Loretta's since since I was a kid, and and you know the last few years going there for Maxima, and um, you know weeds. I mean, he put some miles on his feet during the day. It's a lot of back and forth, podium to tower, podium to tower. So uh, I will give him some props on being you know three months out and and being on his feet for a week. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I just wanted to give Steve a little shit for the peer pressure and what he puts some of his quote-unquote friends through. Uh, another, oh, yeah. Another discussion with Weege was the claim rule, the Brian or uh, Hayden Deegan claim ish, um, situation that came up. I was unaware that this was a thing in amateur motocross. I have heard of this type of thing in racing before. Uh, my dad raced dirt track, and they the organization he was involved with had an engine claim rule. I like... The reason it's in place, Trevor, I like that, you know, it does, it's to help keep costs, you know, at a, at a minimum. So everybody in that particular class or group or whatever can be competitive. I like it. If you want to go spend everything you have to make your, whatever your piece of equipment is you're racing or competing with the best, that's fine, but you're probably going to lose it. So I like the idea, but I was completely unaware this was a thing in amateur motocross in any way. So I was very surprised by this, and it was cool to get something new. Yeah, so I've been I've been aware of the claim rule, and I I was when I was listening to it, I was trying to remember when I was an amateur. There was at one point, and I can't remember who it was. I I don't have much of a story, but I do remember <laughs> being at one of the races where something was going on with with claiming a bike, and I do remember other people getting together to try and front money in case it happened so they could get the bike back. And the exact same story uh, that the, the gentleman from Kawasaki came on and Craig Martin and told him, yeah, Craig. Uh, so similar, similar scenario there, but um, I think it is good. You know, I, it's like you're saying, it, it keeps costs down on, on these bikes, um, but it could be, it can be nerve wracking, but I, I'm sure, you know, somebody like star and, and even pro circuit and these guys, they're absolutely aware of the rule. Um, and I, I don't think that there's, uh, you know, I would say factory-level teams that are supporting some of these B and A riders, the risk of putting a bike that's illegal or, or you know, a cheater bike, like we like to call it on the track. And I, I think they're very aware of what the repercussions would be of doing something like that. Now, that doesn't mean that the engines that are, uh, you know, approved for those classes don't have some little things and they touched on the ECU settings and all these things. So I know it's gotten way, way more advanced than, these guys have put in a ton of time to make these bikes be, uh, you know, so good, even at an amateur level. So, uh, again, it's, it's, it's a risk that, that, that has been there. And, uh, I guess it just depends on if you're willing to put the money up to do it or not. 
Yeah, I'm glad they talked about it though, because I know other. I saw other people tweet about it and ask questions that were unaware. So it was something that a lot of us learned. You know, learned something new from Pulp. So it was good stuff. Um, yeah. You know all about Michelin motorcycle tires from listening to the Pulp Mix show. But Michelin Bicycle Tires is a proud sponsor of this very Pulp MX wrap-up show. And in 1891, Michelin patented the first detachable bead pneumatic bicycle tire. And to this day, Michelin continues to innovate and produce world-class podium finishing products for both road and mountain bikes. If you'd like to ride the same Michelin Bicycle Tires and mountain bike legend Cam Zink and the 2019 EWS champion Sam Hill and the uh, East Texas champion Jamie Guida, follow bike. Follow up Michelin at Michelin Bicycle Tires on Instagram and check out bike.michelin.com for all the details on Michelin's extensive range of bicycle products, including the Wild Enduro, the E-Wild, the Pilot 20-inch BMX tires, or any of the road models. Mm-hmm. Michelin Bicycle Tire, going to make me way faster, Clay. I'm going to be cutting my, my mild time down by at least 15, 20 seconds per mile, I assume. And I kind of sure. wonder, like... Okay, let's switch over to the Michelin motorcycle tires. We heard the read. Starcross sixes, sixteen percent more traction. To which Paul, or uh, yeah, traction. To which Paul asked, "How do you measure that?" I love this marketing stuff, right? You, you own a company. Trevor works for Maxima. There's lots of little mm-hmm. marketing techniques, and like, there's no way for us to go really see if that's accurate or not. Not, but I love the marketing of sixteen percent more traction. I mean, not sixteen and a half, not seventeen. 16. No, 16. Perfect. Yeah, 16. I love it. it. It's a good round number. Um, if you went 18, people would be like, you're full of shit. Yeah, you know, exactly. 12, no way is it 18. Like, uh, yeah, like who cares about 12? I mean, they yeah, they, they tested that number out, and it, it's good. But um, I've seen the tires. They, they look good. I still got to run a set. But um, they hey. do look like a good improvement over the the old style, and uh, I got to get a set in house here and run them. Yeah, I had Starcross sixes on the YZ two fifty at Master Pools, where I was running your PDR Race Tech suspension this last weekend, and boy, did I put that bike through the ringer! I mean, I pushed it to the absolute limit of barely what it's possible of, as Oof. we would expect. Yes, yes. Now. You can prove that about as easily as you can prove the 16% traction, but I'm going to stand by it. I'll tell you what it Do didn't it. have, though. That bike does not have a pro filter in the bike, Trevor. I know. I've owed you some of those, man. It's been like everything. It's just been hard to get some. Yeah. But, I, uh, I still got you on my list. It's all good. I, I ordered an extra one from Motorsport, a sponsor of this wrap-up show, so that I ordered, I ordered an extra filter, so I have a few. So... It's good. The bike's good. Steve's not getting it back. That's uh, that much I can attest to. Uh, as, as I mentioned, Chris Riesenberg, checker, checkers came on. Uh, Race Tech, I cannot remember what his title is, but he he called in and obviously, like you, Clay, fo- follows the amateur scene. It's very important to him. And he brought up Avery Long, right? One of your guys. You supported him for a long time. A Minnesota kid. I, I, yep. I was very impressed with him. He, checkers talked about his family. And what a good kid he is. And one of the stories he didn't mention on Pulp, but he told me, and I talked to Avery also last night. We were a very Loretta's heavy show last night. Uh, the kid stuck around, Trevor. Avery and his family stuck around at the end of the week and helped tear down the tent and helped the team just to give back for what the team did for them all week. Very impressed with this kid, even though I haven't met him. Um, but, Clay, yeah, give us a little more info on Avery as Checkers kind of touched on a little bit. 
Yeah, he's uh, the man. We've uh, kind of been in his corner, and uh, they started out. I worked with him uh, when he was about eight years old, nine years old, just getting on a 65, and started doing suspension for him and his brothers, and uh, got to know him good. And within a couple of years, their whole family just, you know, turned into almost an extension of our family. We just, you know, really hit it off good, and the family is um, kind of like Checkered said, they're they're unreal. They're just super good people. Um, to have around and be around. And uh, his other two brothers, uh, Braden and Brennan, were uh, actually both used to ride, and they kind of uh, decided they wanted to do more hunting and fishing, and Avery decided to keep going and wanted to push it to the next level. It was kind of his dream to keep going. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, it was a heck of a ride. I was actually mechanicing for him the whole week, so to yeah. put that much years in and believing in him and that and then to have uh, this kind of tidal wave of success all at once was uh, pretty unreal. It's uh, definitely a week I won't forget. That's cool, yeah. He seems like a really good kid, so I just want to give him another shout-out. Trevor, I don't know if you know Checkers at all, but a good guy, good guest, full of really, really intelligent information within the sport, whether it be amateurs, even when he talks pro stuff, I like checkers when he comes on the show. Yeah, definitely. I don't know him uh, personally, but I'm, I'm aware of, of who he is. So yeah, it was uh, lots of knowledge there. And then moving on, as both of you guys said, you'd like Cole Martinez. He's another rider came on again. I think it was uh, you clay that said you didn't know a lot about him. And I, I, I'm right on board with you. Heard the name, didn't know a lot about him. Uh, Trevor found Cole to be, very well-spoken, very intelligent. Uh, you know, I, I really enjoyed his story of why he went back to the ranch. You know, that the fact that he said, hey, he went to Mammoth and had a blast, and then he just kind of wanted to share the experience with his family and just kind of had some fun doing it. You know, he told the story of, I didn't even think I'd qualify at regionals. I was on a full off-road bike. Like, the story that Cole brought to the table Monday night was, was again, another new story for me because I don't know the guy, and it was entertaining, right? It was just somebody that you kind of want to root for. Like I want the guy to come back to nationals almost. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, he, he's just, uh, he's a awesome rider, super well-rounded. Like, uh, he's always been fit. I know he takes, takes fitness and everything super serious. And, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's cool to yeah hear his story of, of wanting to come back and maybe, uh, you know, have some, had some tougher races there as an amateur and to be able, and be able to come back and kind of come full circle with the place and, and go home with two titles. Uh, I'm stoked for him and I'm sure that's uh, that's a week he's not going to forget. Yeah. I'd like to get him clay back on the show at some point. Then let's talk about some off-road races, right? We've had other off-road riders on pole. Let's get him back on. He was a really good guest, but the other thing that he brought up that I definitely, I literally laughed out loud we talk about Alessi. We heard about Alessi's penalty for you know the the gate thing he did. But then Cole was like, "Hey, I was really nervous during the plus twenty five race because I didn't really know what Alessi might do." Is like this: the stories never end with Alessi, and Cole was right there to just say, "Hey, yeah, he he was under he was in my mind a little bit." Yeah, to uh, line up, and you always got that guy in the gate. It's like, yeah. I hope this goes good. Um, but yeah, that was funny that. Uh, he was, it was in the back of his mind, you know, thinking the fact that Alessi never pulled a whole shot. And I know, I, right? I know Keith Harris, I don't know if he pulled all Harrison. three or if Cole ended up pulling a whole shot. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head, but uh, yeah, I'm sure the anticipation of being in a moto and figuring you're probably going to have to pass Alessi at some point, <laughs> um, get your heart rate up a couple yeah, extra beats. Exactly. 
All right, I want to step back for a second with both of you guys. Trevor, you've been in studio. Clay, you have not ever been in studio. But what I want to ask you two, if you guys had choice going, first of all, I'll go to you first, Trevor. What would you pick to eat? What would your meal of choice would be? And then I also want to know, like, during the commercial break, what would you want to talk about if you were completely in charge? Would you ask just basic questions to Steve? Do you want to hear, like, some top secret news that hasn't been broke yet? Or just light, regular life. Like what, what are the, you know, food, what would you pick and what would your conversation be? Well, it sounds like only certain guests get on the sushi program. So <laughs> next time that's going to be, that's going to be my request there. But uh, Everybody likes uh, sushi. Oh yeah. I'm out. Love sushi. <laughs> but, uh, and as far as topics go, I mean, Steve, to me, I, I enjoy just talking a little bit of everything, but when, like when we talk about racing, I enjoy listening to his knowledge of just the, the history of, of races and events and things that he remembers. So the last time I was in studio, uh, it was me and uh, Weed was there as well. And both of those guys get talking when you're, you know, when you're off camera going back and forth on things that have happened over the years. And I mean, they can tell you who won a heat race back in 99 in Minneapolis, you know, on a 125. It's just, it's crazy. And so, what the track conditions um, were. Exactly, exactly. Who crashed, who did what, the yep. drama, everything. So uh, I enjoy hearing those stories. So that's probably my, my, you know, what I enjoy when I go up with, with Steve and, and hop on the bicycles and go ride around and, and spend the day with them. It's just hearing some of the stories from uh, some races back in the day. Okay, Clay, if you got the opportunity to go in, give me your answers. Uh, sushi would be a, a hard no. I'm out on sushi. Good. And uh, it sounds like he's tight on the budget, so I'm guessing the tomahawk <laughs> is going to be off the menu too. Um, so I would actually be in for just some good old Chipotle. Okay. I know they bring that in from time to time, yep. and I am never one to pass up Chipotle. So I'd be a pretty cheap date. And then uh, as far as talking to him, uh, I guess going through kind of the – stuff he's got hanging and any of the back i like background stories so like you know the years where he was mechanicing and like some of the janky places they stayed or the stuff they had to do to get to the next race or like you know background stories of testing with riders and which rider was a pain in the butt and you know i mean just some of that stuff that you wouldn't like here yeah like in public like those are the kind of stories like you know sometimes we'll talk like yeah this guy was a pain in the butt and he wanted this part changed we really didn't change it but we told him we did and <laughs> yeah, he thought that. it was great I mean, just yeah, like yeah any of those are like traveling and you know um like he did i think it was him he did that racer x story about 11 10 mods yeah absolutely yep. yeah and like you know the stuff those get like those types of stories and the history he knows there of that type of stuff would be just fun to BS about. All right. That's a good answer. I like it. Moving from Loretta's to MXDN, since it's basically the same process, since they draw for, you know, basically like draw a spoon for gate picks, it's pretty much the same event. Let's listen to this and we'll talk about it. Barsha bowed out. There's a lot of people on Justin Cooper's bandwagon because he won a moto. And I mean, good job. Like, you know, he, he he's riding well, but give me Craig still on that MX2 bike, JT, right now. Give me that. Yeah, I don't. I don't really have a strong opinion about it. I've been bouncing all over the place. Um, I still don't have something where I'm like, "Yep, stamp it." I'm I'm all right. in on yeah, that. Yeah, I, yeah. I really don't. Um, it's gonna get dicey though if if Justin Cooper comes out at his home race and and wins. Um, it's. <laughs> I don't know that the decision changes, but you're, there's gonna be noise. 
There's, there's all, I think there already there are there is already noise. I know, but it's yeah. gonna get louder. Okay. I mean, well, there it's gonna get louder. There will not be a team announcement at Unadilla. I like Craig, but you can't like I'm not gonna stand and passionately defend Craig over Cooper. If Justin Cooper came to me and if I'm Mike Post here, if I'm anybody involved and they're upset about it, I would say, listen, like there were several rounds where you weren't riding very well. And this it's it's not condemnation of you, but we have to pick who we feel gives us the best chance. And Christian's ridden really well, started out on the podium at the first round and has been really consistent all the way through. And you you just weren't. Clay, this was not a huge topic Monday night. They barely touched on it. But I, I found it the reason I pulled it, it was kind of interesting because just a few weeks ago, although the circumstances have changed, Steve was like, I'm, I'm Team Barsha. Christian hasn't been that successful outdoors. You know, I, I, I think I'm Team Barsha. Now all of a sudden he's, I'm Team Craig. I'm all in. And again, I know the circumstances have changed, but it's sort of funny how his, uh, his thoughts and opinions have changed, you know, in, in basically the last two weeks. Oh, yeah. Moves around. I think Paul and uh, JT probably hit it the closest of going, you know, there's no reason to have to jump on it right now. Like, let this play out a little bit. And Paul made a really good point. He didn't play it in there, but uh, he was talking about, you know, what happens if one of these dudes gets hurt in two weeks, yeah, you know, and you already told course. someone else they're out, like, you know, leave the fourth guy in, like, let them keep training. And, you know, once you decide and pull a team, like, you know, don't get butthurt about it. It is what it is. Um, but as far as between Craig and, uh, uh, Justin, okay. yeah, on it, it, it is a toss up. It'd be tough to decide who's going to go. I mean, Cooper's got, uh, definitely a better outdoor record, but Christian's hard uh, to bet against. I mean, he rides at 250 really good, and he's spent a lot of time on it. Yeah, Trevor, I'm glad that they are not announcing at Unadilla, which, you know, a few weeks ago we were sort of expecting. I'm glad they're waiting. Uh, as Eli or D- DV actually brought up, like, why? It doesn't matter. We don't need to announce right now. I think it's really smart that they're holding off because, yeah, we may see a totally ju- different Justin Cooper in the next two weeks. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I would push it out as long as they can just to, to make the best decision that they feel uh, at that time for sure. So, um, And I think there's a couple things that you kind of factor into it. Obviously, you, you want to pick somebody that wants to be there. Uh, you don't want to – you're not trying to force somebody, right? So, uh, And then both these guys, I'm sure both of them want to go. I think uh, for me, honestly, it's it'd be 50-50 at this point. They both have their strengths. Uh, and so, again, I would just see where we're at when it comes time to make a final decision on that guy. All right. Guts Racing the stab was established in 1990 as a premier off-highway seat manufacturing company, offering high-performance seat covers and foam for motocross, supercross, and off-road competition. Guts Racing has worked with every top rider at some point of their career, from Steve Lampson and McGrath in the 90s to Ricky Carmichael and James Stewart in the 2000s, and today with Rockstar Husky, Pro Circuit Kawasaki, and many more. If it's style and performance you want, you've come to the right place, so check out GutsRacing.com for info on the many products offered. This is the Phantom Light Seat Foam. All right, back to Paul Parabinos being in studio. Trevor, um, a lot of cool stuff coming with Paul, right? Working for Renthal, the the new Renthal bar pads are out, the cloth bar pads. I think those are going to be a hot topic. I love seeing those in studio. Made me really want to just grab a couple of them. And then the purple bars are still sort of available. There's a few giveaways, so... If you're listening right now and you haven't done so, contest at pulpmexshow.com. Send in your email. Paul picked number 69, so the 69th email will get a set of purple Renthal bars. But a lot coming in with Paul. Also, the fact that he is 
apparently the Team USA development consultant, and you know he's been pushing this golf tournament that's going to help raise some money. Raise it for the number four USA.com. Raise it for USA.com. A lot of cool stuff coming, Paul. Paul's got his hands in a lot of stuff, uh, Trevor, and just a lot of this. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Stuff on the outside that was brought in that Paul maybe think about Monday night. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Paul, so Paul's, I, I've known Paul a long time. You know, okay. Paul back in, shoot, uh, he was at, he may have been at, uh, he was still at Pro, or at a Pro Taper at the time, I believe. And then, uh, yeah, kind of just got to know him when I was racing. And then he ended up helping me out for a little while with bars and stuff when he was there. And we just kind of, um, you know, stayed in touch from there and just be kind of, Came friends, and then when I moved into an industry job and, and started attending some of these shows and things like that, uh, that's when I started spending more time around Paul. And uh, yeah, we, I mean, Paul's been been somebody like I know for myself personally that I can reach out to and bounce ideas off and talk to. And um, he's got a ton of knowledge, been in the industry a long time, super good guy. And when this idea, or when he started, you know, thinking about this idea, there was a few people that that he had reached out to and. Uh, he talked to me a little bit about, you know, about it early on and, you know, what do you think? Am I crazy? This and that. And I, you know, I said, well, I, I think it's an awesome idea. And it, and it just, you know, it shows how passionate he is about, about this industry. And uh, so Maxima's on board. We're on, you know, I've been on board since the beginning. I'm looking forward to, to this event that he's going to put on. And uh, I think it's, it'll absolutely be a success. And hopefully, you know, his goal is to keep building it every year and, and maybe this will be what we need to, you know, make make motocross the nations kind of what it used to be, and and light a fire under these guys to want to get back there and have some incentive for them to do it. Yeah, I like that. And I will tell you, as he he said Monday night, he you know asked me if I was coming to the golf tournament, which originally I was planning on driving home, but I am going, and officially I have a team, guys. Nice. My, myself, Nick Still from Moto Limited, Alex Gobert, and Michael Lindsay. We are by far have to be the worst team entering. None of us have ever played. I think Michael Lindsay said he's played a little bit. The other three of us have never played. So it should be really, really interesting. I don't even know where we're in at clubs from. I, I mean, I may bring, like I thought, I'll just bring one of Chris Betts' baseball bats because I know I can hit the shit out of a golf ball with a bat. So <laughs> we're going to see how this goes, but I'm in. It's going to be fun. So that I'm looking forward hey, to that. If they got drinks on the course, you'll be good. <laughs> All right, I might I may need them. Uh, let's switch gears to another topic. It's 1997, and Super Motocross is here for PlayStation One. It's Super Motocross. I, I, as Steve said, he hates the name. I feel when I hear this, I feel like it's a video game for PlayStation. Not the best name. That's neither here nor there. Let's listen to some audio. I don't like the name. And I know they didn't do this for the World Supercross. I know that. You know that. It looks like they did. If they didn't, they were talking before. I am so surprised, Weege, that they are adding races to the schedule. Two races. And every OEM is okay with this. I know. I interviewed Bruce uh, from Cowie, who is probably the most anti of more races, longer schedule than anyone I know. You can't say two things at once. If you can say to the promoters, you need to do a better job and get us better TV and put on better events and have rule books that make sense. Do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. And then the promoters say, well, we figured out a way to solve this. Um, 
we have sold a package to a network that's going to bring us a lot more money so we can pay the riders a lot more money and we can integrate everything and we can give you all these things you want but we have to have this playoff thing and all i can gather is they're like okay we're going to operate in good faith that doing x is going to lead to the yz that we want however i've been told the team said we'll give you one year to race in october and do 31 but it needs to end in september and it needs to be back to 30 races by 2024. So we'll see if they hold to that. 30 races and in a September, I mean, that's still a longer season any way you slice it. Yeah, yeah. Count, know, count me as surprised. And listen, me too. And again, the World Supercross is what's driving this. They, they are getting together and doing this and putting this money up because of the World Supercross. I'm fine with that. That's cool. Competition's a good thing, whether it's moto podcasts or, or racing series. More teams and more racers getting paid is always a good thing. Yeah, it's it's both, right? Like, I can tell you that I heard this pretty much exact plan last summer at Redbud. So, yes, the majority of it was not a reaction. We were going to do this. We were told about a playoff. We were told combining, you know, mm-hmm. being able to sell to TV, we are going to crown the champion of champions, not two separate champions. Right. I think TV, apparently, people are always like, why does your sport have two and, champions? And honestly, we each, when, when Carrie and Dave told me that, again, cynical Steve sitting here, you're yeah. telling me some network guy from <clears throat> Peacock is like, you know what really would work? A playoff f- for your niche racing series that I know nothing about. Yeah, a lot to unpack with that. And I feel like this was probably the biggest topic of Monday night. This, I mean, I know Loretto's talked about a lot, but this was a big topic. They did a really good job of giving us the information they do have. Still a lot of unknowns. Trevor, I'll go to you first. Um Again, a lot of confusion with this is exactly how this is how the OEMs are even happy with this. I can't believe the riders are okay with this. But just yeah, a lot to unpack. Kind of give me your thoughts on what they talked about Monday night from what Weed said. Weed's made a really good point, right? You can't say two things at once. You can't have it both ways. They're making an attempt. Uh Feld and Mix Sports got with <clears throat> Peacock, as he said. That's not really released yet, but Steve made it pretty clear. That's what's probably going to happen. That's the rumor. Uh, but they got together. They said, all right, we'll figure out a way to bring some more money into the sport, but we need this. But anyway, give me your thoughts. Yeah. It's, so I've sat down and done a little bit of reading on it. And then obviously we're, we're close with, uh, with a couple of teams that'll be active in the series, of course. So we've kind of had some insight from them and it's, it's very interesting to me just because, uh, if I look at it from the rider's perspective, it's it goes against kind of what they've been fighting for as far as less races. We know that that's been a topic forever now. You know, they they, they want to have some more time off. Uh, we know how how grueling these these two series are already. We know uh, we've seen years where guys are banged up, we're losing multiple guys. We know how how hard it is on their bodies, the training, everything that comes along with it. Now this is the sport that they signed up for and, and that's, that's part of the deal. And so looking at it from the other side is we're constantly fighting to get more funding and maybe have some, you know, non-endemic sponsors come in and, and we want this TV package and this thing to get more eyes on the sport. And we've been challenged to do that just because the series is limited and uh, we don't have an event that's on every single weekend or, or like football where they're playing three, three nights a week, basically. So, uh, increasing the amount of races brings some incentive over to a TV package like Peacock to potentially pick this up, which ultimately may put more eyes on this 
so from a corporate standpoint, being a, you know, Kawasaki, Yamaha, whatever it might be, their goal obviously is to sell more units. This is a, an opportunity to put more eyes on, on their motorcycles potentially, which hopefully leads to more sales. Now that's, that's for them to worry about, obviously, but for the, the racers perspective, again, increasing races, uh, I don't think is, is ultimately what they want, but money talks. So when they see these incentives and, you know, uh, playoff type things where there's X amount of money on the line and the ability to make more money if they have to race more, uh, it's, I can see him being on board with that too. Um, but what kind of worries me is the world supercross thing, this series, some of the one-off races, all these things. Uh, I, I worry about it maybe diluting some of the series. So spreading guys out, um, you know, you're going to have guys racing more. There's going to be more risk involved, more times on the track, more motos. Is there potential for more injuries? Does this shorten people's careers? I mean, there's a lot of different, different things, I guess, that I can discuss when I think about it. So, um, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. I agree. And Clay, one of the, the, the world supercross kind of lighting the fire, I guess, under Feld and MX sports, right? We, we keep, we heard through all out Monday night that this is something the guy we'd heard about last year. They've been working on this for a couple of years. And I tend to agree and believe also that this has been something in the works, but I don't think as Steve said, you can't say, that World Supercross has no effect on this. It clearly has motivated Feld and MX Sports to try to make something happen differently. Yo, for sure. I mean, first off, the dude that came up with Michelin's 16%, you know, marketing thing <laughs> was definitely not involved in naming the super <laughs> motocross thing. That right. name drives me nuts. It's I'm telling you, this is so like, yeah, the video stupid. game could easily be like Eli Tomac super motocross only on PlayStation. Oh. It's terrible. It's dumb. Um, them pushing it along and like releasing a bunch of details without having a lot of details. I, I think World Supercross, no doubt, I maybe caught them off guard that they were actually going to get as much traction as they did. And I haven't heard officially like with Kenny going over to it, you know, how many he's riding or what he's doing. I mean, Tomax in there for uh, a wild card, it looks like. And yeah. this World Supercross is picking up some riders. So, I can definitely see that that's probably what pushed this forward. Um, you know, the guys that they didn't touch on, they touched on it a little bit, like with the manufacturers kind of green lighting this and go and, you know, the incentives for the manufacturers aside from maybe helping with paying the riders more to keep the riders more invested. I don't know. You may know dark side or have a better insight on it. Would the manufacturers get on board with it just to try to keep, the riders at bay from going to world supercross well i think they would you yeah. know what i mean because they you know if they see a bunch of riders you know moving over and then they're losing their riders yeah, to it I, and here's another opportunity for three races but then it it packs a bunch more money into those middle positions that the manufacturers have a hard time paying for maybe that's where the manufacturers are jumping i don't know it's just it's weird that they jump onto more races well, i definitely that's think that like has them. yeah i definitely think that is a factor so I want to stick with that topic and discuss, you know, Trevor kind of touched on it and how this may affect teams, may affect riders. Steve touched on it just a little bit. Three races at the end of the year, some sort of qualifying system. We know the L.A. Coliseum will be one round. We think Austin, Texas at the Circuit of America will be one round, and we think that Charlotte or Atlanta, what do we think the other one will be? Um, Charlotte, Charlotte, Atlanta, 
L.A. Coliseum. No, oh, not Charlotte. Austin. Atlanta, Austin, L.A. Coliseum, okay. I believe. Is Atlanta, Austin? Yes. Okay, I heard Charlotte, too. But I, anyways, uh, $10 million, most of it for these three races. What's your take, JT? Anything that's going to bring the two series closer together, more cooperation, more money for the riders, mm-hmm. bigger, you know, more spectacle of a series. Like, I don't see any downside to it other than the series runs later into the calendar. Because a lot of guys like to take September off, start testing a little bit in October. So all that kind of goes out the window. Um, so that's a little bit challenging for, for everybody that's in this sport to kind of have to add another month of travel. When do we start thinking about these fucking teams, like giving them a break? None of, these, none of the teams are going to be like, hey, man, just take a week off, guys. You like, know, it's, nobody's going to do that. You know what the hardest part about all this is? is, is it's very, there's very few people that go to every race. And you need to go to every race to really have a big, a good opinion on on what it feels like to do yeah. all these races, right. right? Go to every single Supercross and every single outdoor. How many people have done that this year? Yeah, so, Clay, this is the biggest factor for me. And it was touched on, and probably nobody really cares about my opinion. But as a fan, I'd love for them to race every weekend. I'd love to sit and watch a, a motocross or Supercross race every weekend. As somebody who is... Now, I guess technically, I'm in the industry and somebody that has gotten to know these riders and these mechanics and uh, team managers, et cetera. I don't, I don't like this super motocross thing. I don't, I feel like these guys, it's not a regular job where you work Monday through Friday and you have every Saturday and Sunday off. You can do things with your family and you can go on a little quick vacation at some point in, in the middle of the year. These guys don't get any freaking time off. They get one week off in Supercross, a couple during outdoors. They can't go do anything, though, right? They're not going to say, like, the week off in Supercross, Eli Tomac or Ken Roxon's not going to pack his family up and go, hey, we're going to the Bahamas this weekend. They're still training. So to move this thing on until September, they're, ha- they, they're not going to get any time to do anything with their families, and I don't think that's healthy for their careers. I don't think that's healthy for their their marriages, their their kids, any of it. I I just I am I'm I'm against the super motocross thing. I guess I don't like the the, the schedule. Um, I, I think we need to, as Steve said, we need to be looking out for the teams and the riders, and it's not happening. No, I 100. percent There's more, you know, the the riders, especially the elite ones. I mean, they're making good money, and like with this program, the riders will make more money. But there's a lot more people that make this whole thing spin besides just riders. And um, yeah, I mean, the season gets, gets long. And then when you do look at the riders um, yeah, that grind of not having the time off to recoup for a month and let your body rest and mentally, you know, take a break and stuff. I, I could see it backfiring in a, in a year or two of just the riders being like, okay, this was too much already. And now it's really way too much. Yeah. Trevor, where do you fall on this? Trevor? Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I'm not a, I just don't, I don't see it being something that all the riders are going to be on board with. Um, especially, uh, like you're saying with staff and team and all these guys that work for these teams and things like that. And kind of going back to what you touched on of like, Hey, I, I would love to go to every single race every weekend. And, and from a fan's perspective, it's, it's, you're going to enjoy it. You know, you're going as a fan if you win every single weekend, let's say just for example, and uh, you know, it's, it's like a mini vacation. Every time you go, maybe you can take your family with you to some of those rounds, things like that. But um, you know, these guys, it's, it's just different for a mechanic. Their day is much different as, as cool as it may seem to, 
you know, the fans that these guys are down on the track and throwing pit boards and in the mix and everything like that. At the end of the day, it's a, it's a job for these guys and it's a, it's a very stressful uh, job for these guys, you know, being an elite level mechanic and uh, you know, those guys approach their job as, as taking their rider's life in their hands. So uh, to increase the amount of times or weekends or weeks that they're going to be working at, uh, I think it's uh, it's a lot to ask of those guys. So, um, but it, it, it just, it just shows you how passionate these guys are about this sport. You know, they're, yeah. they're going to be there. If that's, if that's what's going to happen, they're going to be there. Um, so uh, it's going to be interesting. Sure. Yeah, it'll it be uh, we'll, it'd be interesting to turn back to this show in, let's say, two years and see where we're at, how things went. It's going to be a lot of moving parts over the next couple of years. Speaking of moving parts, my forks, they move. They move up and down. And when you're out riding, you can get dust, dirt, all kinds of good stuff in your seals, in your fork seals that could ruin your fork seals. So I trust Seal Savers. For 22 years, Seal Savers has offered the ultimate protection to the off-road industry. Seal Savers is the first and original fork seal protection that protects your forks from dirt, dust, rocks, sand, and mud. Seal Savers will always continue to innovate and improve, which is what led to the development of the easy-to-install Zip-On Seal Savers. Not only do they have a full line of products for your motorcycle, Seal Savers has essential products that are crucial for the performance of your side-by-side and your mountain bike. Seal Savers is the ultimate protection when it comes to fork seal protection. Enter the code PULP25 for 25% off at sealsavers.com. All right, we are getting towards the end of this show. I want to touch on a couple X-Brand tear-off topics. First of all, the question was asked, who was the fastest guest you ever had come in on an e-bike, Steve Mathis? And he brought up Bradshaw, who was hauling ass, didn't know the trail, don't care about that. What I do care about, Trevor, is some guy that you may know that for some reason lost some a little bit of credit lost a little bit of street cred because he had a big crash. I don't know why this guy lost street cred because he crashed. I don't understand what the deal is. And then Steve backtracked later on. Do you have any thoughts on this? I think he was a little harsh on me. You know, I think what he, what he forgot to to mention was that we rode for about an hour and 45 minutes. And I think I never fell, but maybe a few feet behind his rear tire on my regular bike. So, um, I think he was uh, a little bit harsh on me and, and to defend myself a little bit, I know it was a very simple part of the trail. It was just a simple little downhill. We were going down and uh, yeah, I can remember exactly what happened, but just kind of turned a rock up. And I remember hearing it bouncing underneath my bike and it kind of kicked up and wedged between the rear triangle and the rear tire. And I just basically went to the handlebars on my chest and ended up going over the handlebars and scraping myself all up. And we were literally probably, I don't know, 50 yards from getting back out on the road and finishing the ride. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, but you know, I've, I've been, I've been known to, to have a couple of those moments in my, in my life. Yeah. So, uh, you know, share one with Steve, gave us something to talk about for the rest of the day. But Clay, I feel like Trevor should get double cred for keeping up on an acoustic bike. Like he's out there ripping it up and not, and, and using all leg strength. I think it's uh, I think Steve's wrong. He, he went the wrong way on the point system. Yeah, for sure. I've ridden both and I have both. And if I don't care who's on the e-bike or how good a shape they're on, if you can grind out on an acoustic and keep up with the dude on an e-bike, you are gnarly on a mountain bike. So kudos. Steve yep. had it wrong. John Tomac, then Trevor Reese. That's how I, that's my, yep. my podium. <laughs> sure. I don't even have a third. That's, that's it. Those two guys. <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> <laughs> Another X brand tear off segment question. 
Well, it led, it was, what was your, two Paul Parabianos, what was your highlight of Loretta's? And he brought up a game that he, they were playing with the Ways, Nick and Nicole, at night. We didn't get any backstory other than Nicole was very competitive and just downright dirty. I felt this was a total injustice to the show, Clay. I need to know what this game is. I need to know details. You can't, that, you can't just leave that hanging. Like, that was, I was right, oh, here we go. We got a story. And we got nothing. Yeah, that they did us dirty. Yeah, what? Yep. I, would have, I have no idea what the game would have been, but the the backstory would have been uh, pretty interesting, especially with that group. I felt so. Uh, uh, Trevor, were you disappointed, or did it, was it even anything that caught your attention? Because I was like, "Whoa, well, this is not cool." No, he left us hanging. For okay. Sure. Yeah. All right. Well. Yeah. So 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 Paul Parabinos is now he loses credit. He just lost credit for his performance on the Pulpmex show. Uh, Race Tech Rants. Let's get into that. Pulp 22, Clay, to save at Racetech.com. Let's just listen to it, and then we'll discuss. Wi-Fi, 600 bucks. Entries, 1,200 bucks. Regionals, areas, right? Yeah. Gas to drive there. Your Uh, trailer. uh, Your broken family after you leave. (laughs) You know what I mean? The therapy for your broken family. You do all this money for Loretta's. You spend all this money, all this time. It's the biggest amateur race in uh, in in the country. And careers can there. careers can get broken or made there. You spend ten thousand dollars, and you could draw a fucking spoon with number forty on it. Okay, we want to make it fair for everybody. Who says it needs to be fair? It's a race. There should be some sort of qualifying. You want to go to the regionals? You want to go areas? Whatever you want to do. If you want to go Monday practice, they have Monday practice with timers. Very easy to seed you in there. We don't want you to whip your dick out. It's dangerous, you know. We <laughs> right. I get all that. If they don't want to do that. Okay, listen, you won the regional uh, in Washington, you're number one gate pick. You won the regional in Southern California, you're number two. It's dangerous, you know, we, <laughs> right. I get all that. <laughs> if they don't want to do that, okay, listen, you won the regional uh, in Washington, you're number one gate pick. You won the regional in Southern California, you're number two. I don't disagree with you. Like, I mean, and I've asked Davey about it too because I was that guy. I, I did, like dedicate my summer and try to get myself in shape and then i pulled number 40 and i was the first moto of the day like that sucked and that did have an effect on the on that moto and the rest of the week and it has an effect there's on a an lot easy of way to stage people there's I, an easy I, way i would love that hey all the regional winners if there's six or seven regions you guys pick from the top seven poker chips i'm a plumber i, I, I work 40 hours a week i support my family but i made it to loretta's oh look here comes mike brown who is a professional racer for a living with gate pick 40 coming across and taking my front wheel out yeah oh there goes my plumbing job i'm fucked <laughs> trevor i would have said before monday night if you'd asked me like how i felt about a system such as that drawing spoons i was i don't care who cares but once they got into it, and once they started giving much better ideas, I really like the idea of saying, all right, I don't, I don't remember how many regions there are, right? Let's say there's five regions or seven regions. Everybody that finished first in their region, you, region, you draw one through seven, and then, you know, maybe you go to the second, guys that finished second, one through seven. It does make it I, – I, I actually like that idea. So they changed what would have been my opinion by giving better examples – so this was actually a pretty decent rant, in my opinion. Yeah, see, I'm like we're now just talking about it because they discussed it on on Pulp, but I know for myself and some other people, this has been a topic that we've talked about for years, and this kind of goes back to what I was saying in the beginning, where 
a guy like Ryder or somebody that shows up that, that should be the guy that's supposed to win is put in all this work. Maybe he's fastest in practice based on lap times. All of a sudden he draws 42. He's on the outside. And I don't, you know, I, yes, people get the whole shot from the outside, but at Loretta's, it is a massive disadvantage. The, the, the straight, you know, start straight, super loamy, super soft. Um, and he goes into the first turn and, and got a great jump and did everything that he could, but gets tangled up, goes down at Rex his week. Well, his week could have gone completely different if he, you know, was was in the top five on gate pick, right? So if he's inside, he gets a good jump, gets out, gets away from that stuff, gets a good start. It can completely alter what goes on for your week at Loretta. So I know from my side and some other people that I've talked to, it's just like, hey, we're, we're, we're requiring transponders. People are showing up. They're having to pay for transponders or, you know, you give your credit card, so they put it on hold so you return it. It's supposed to be on for practice. Why aren't we sending these guys out in practice? And it's a qualifier. And, and I understand that other side too, like, hey, let's, let's take these top seven guys from each regional, draw a spoon, whatever, whatever it might be. I think there's a better avenue for picking gates at Loretta's. Um, and I uh, I don't know. I, I think it has to change. And and even it, even if it's just, I, I don't see them getting away with like, oh, let's just do it for the pro class. I think it has to be all classes. Send those guys out. Your gate picks based off of your lap times in practice, and we can move on for it. That's how they do it at a professional level. And yep. I think that that's what that's what they should absolutely work towards. So, Clay, would you agree? Yeah, this is probably one of the few topics I can get more fired up about <laughs> okay. than Steve can. All right, all right. Uh, I haven't missed a Loretta's, I don't think, in eight years, and I've ridden it twice, and I've picked a, like, 32-pin and a three and had friends all in between there. And I don't know of a team or a single rider that likes pulling a chip for your gate pick at the biggest amateur race on the planet. Uh, it's ridiculous. And the... Saturday or Monday practice, I can each class you qualify for, you only get one 15 minute session. So, to make basic gate pick when you got a lot of these people who've never even been to this track before versus people who've maybe been here eight times, like that really doesn't work. But they have the entire regional system already figured out to do this. Like they have an elaborate uh, power ranking system that they figure for all the alternates. So, if you're, you know, you finish seventh and say your region took six, but there's another region that has more riders that show up. All this info goes in for a power rank for your region. So they have all this info that they could easily go through and look and say, okay, this dude won his region. He had the most riders. It was the most stacked reason he gets first gate pick Mm. and it's all in the computer system already. Yeah. The fact that they haven't put this together to do a better first moto gate pick based on just your regional finish or something like that is stupid. Well, the race tech rant, as usual, getting people talking, getting topics spun. I like it. There was another race tech rant about Super Motocross and the press release. I'm going to skip over that, and I'm going to go on to Paul Parabino's race tech rant because this one is a huge passion of mine. I'm not going to give my opinions because Steve probably doesn't want that, but I want to see where you guys stand on driver etiquette. Trevor, I'll go to you first. Just Paul's was... That might be the best race tech rant I've ever heard because I deal with this shit every day and it drives me insane. Yeah, uh, I'm kind of on the same page with you. I think it was uh, super good. It's, I like I like Paul because he's just he's very dry and to the point. So I mean, when he gets going on stuff, I always enjoy. It. Not afraid to speak his mind on topics. Yep, uh, Clay. Same thing. It's impossible to disagree with this race tech rant, but uh, I'll see where you stand anyway. No. Totally agree. doesn't get me like 
too fired up. Oof. I will say if you're in the fast lane and you're blocking traffic, I'll give people like a five mile an hour buffer. So, you know, if you're in the fast lane, you're going five mile an hour over. Okay. It's annoying, but move out of the way. But if you're in the fast lane doing like five under, uh, yeah, that, that's a solid rant and well-deserved. Yeah. And I didn't even know that was a thing in Europe. Like they had better etiquette than we did. I didn't either. So I learned something too. Yeah. Learning. yeah I'm definitely on board with them. Yep. Get out of the damn way. It doesn't matter if you're going 10 over, 15 over, 20 over. Somebody's going faster than you. Get out of the way. You don't know where they're trying to go, what they go, have going on. Could be an emergency. Get out of the damn way. All right. I said I wasn't going to say anything, but I did. <laughs> Can't help it. Motorsport.com. Motorsport.com. Those who ride dirt bikes, motorcycles, ATVs, and UTVs know Motorsport is the best place for OEM and aftermarket parts, riding gear, and accessories. Motorsport.com's dedicated team of gearheads have the knowledge and expertise to help get your ride working at peak performance to have you looking good, too. Whether you race on the track, ride on the trails, or commute on the street, make your next ride your best ride only at Motorsport.com. Guys, go to PulpMix.com or PulpMixShow.com. There's usually a widget, a Motorsport widget. Click on that. It will take you to Motorsport. You can order your Guts Racing seat covers, your Michelin motorcycle tires, your seal savers. I'm sure you can order Maxima. I know you can order Maxima products there. Uh, Race Tech, I don't know if they have Race Tech stuff there. Probably not. But most of the sponsors from Pulpamex are found at Motorsports. You can get all your shopping done. And then Steve gets a little, I think he gets a little portion of it, or at least maybe gives you a discount. Either way, support the sponsors. It matters. It means a lot to keep the shows going. Last couple topics. I want to touch on Jeremy Sism real quick. AEO Power Sports. I had a chance to meet him when I was in California. Michael Lindsay went by and did an interview with him. Really good guy. Trevor, I really like what he's doing with AEO. This is an up-and-coming KTM team. Looks like they're going to be getting a little more support from the factory, from OEM, KTM OEM soon, probably next season. Uh, the guy's putting a lot of his own money in. Really, really like him being a part of the sport. He seems very passionate, seems very intelligent. Um, thought it was a great interview. I'd like to see more from him and the team in the coming years. Yeah. Uh, anytime we're, we're starting to get more guys in, involved in the sport, anytime that we have you know additional platforms for, for riders to be able to, to go out and, uh, you know, potentially try and, you know, chase the dream or, or have a platform to get to that next level in racing. Uh, I think the more teams, absolutely the better. Um, it's cool to see uh, them have that tie to, you know, the shops and uh, progressing there and trying to, you know, they're doing the work now to hopefully bring on more attention from, from the manufacturer to ultimately uh, get additional support. And, and I think that's the way you have to go about it is uh, you got to be passionate. You got to understand that it's a process in, in running these teams. I think you see so many teams over the years that have come in and they're, you know, they, it's one year, two years, they have, all these hopes and aspirations, but they don't know all that goes into running a team at that level. So you've, you've got to have the passion first. You've got to understand that it's not the most lucrative business. Absolutely. And um, you got to be willing to put the time in to get, to get to that next level. And I think they're doing a really good job. Yeah. Clay, any thoughts on, on uh, Jeremy and his team? And, you know, he, he kind of gave us the, the best version of the master pool story. He could, you know, he, he, I, again, just a good good guess. He's really informative and intelligent and knows a lot about the sport, so um, I like him. Yeah, it was cool. Um, the sport needs more teams like his. Yep. Um, unfortunately, it's 
I don't think a uh, very profitable endeavor. It's nope. something that's coming from people that have the passion for it. So it's cool that someone like him is putting the money into it because he, he loves to do it. And um, the, the factories, I think, uh, should put more support behind some of those smaller outlets, too. Um, one thing they he said that surprised me that I just didn't know how that worked. Um, you know, Steve had talked about Carson Brown getting back on the team and what's going on. Cause he was solid last year, had some good rides. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, he had said that the riders have to be approved by KTM, which I thought, I just didn't know that the rider selection wasn't just up to the team owner and that they had to go back to the OEMs to actually get approval. Even for someone like Carson Brown, that should be a pretty easy, you know, like, yeah, dude, solid for our level of team. Like got a good media background presence, like, easy pick yeah and that yeah. it has to go back and approved by the team and stuff was was interesting insight i didn't know it worked like that oh great i did not either so yeah good stuff from him last little topic i want to touch on is i called in and i got caught okay uh here's another thing that we're Kiefer and i are a little worried about jamie okay we got the head nod i can't wait okay he's also posted a couple photos on his social media Okay. Of him talking to oh. riders, and he said, "Like I got caught." What do you mean? Uh, somebody took a photo of him, and then he posted the photo. So and so caught me talking to RJ Hampshire. <laughs> like, yeah, gotcha. I don't. Oh, like a I media knew, super fan guy? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, who knows? But but he's posted photos of himself caught in the action of being tagging you know, doing the rider. Job. Yeah. Tagging oh, yeah, the rider. Yeah, yeah. Always. Always. Okay. I haven't got my Supercross Motocross Media Handbook with all the rules in it yet. I'm sorry. You need to spoke to Mr. Anton. Uh, he is the chairman of the board, so please uh, okay. talk to Anton about that. He makes the rules. I'm learning the rules as Steve tells them to me. Well, I don't. I don't make them, but I'm going to announce right now a contest for our listeners. Oh boy. $100 for the best person who catches Jamie <laughs> in the action. <laughs> Well, again, I, I love that he blamed it on Anton because I doubt Anton cares at all. But it's it's really interesting, Clay, all these rules that I, I'm learning as I go. Um, yeah, who knew? I can't say the word caught. I even There was a picture on Paul Parabino's uh, Instagram where it was a picture of him, looked like he was walking through the pits. And I think, I think Emery or somebody like that took it of him, and he posted it. But he didn't say I got caught. So I asked Steve, well, like, is this okay? Is it okay if you do this, but you don't say the word caught? And Steve said, well, he's not media, so it doesn't count. So apparently these rules only apply to media. I, or, I don't know, man. I, I don't understand, Clay, the rules, but I will learn them eventually, I hope. God forbid I don't. I do something wrong. You'll learn. I mean, just, you know, Steve, with his years of you know, famous coverage, yeah. already knows these rules. You'll catch on. Someday you'll have high ceilings. Um, you know, and, and work your way through there, but it's just rules that, uh, you have to figure out as you go. Yeah. It's a learning curve. Trevor, I, I don't want to get, you know, uh, blackballed from the industry because I used caught. I didn't know that was, I didn't know that that was, uh, part of the rule book. Me either. I mean, I know that's the, I know that's the trendy thing though. And these <laughs> candid type photos, you start the caption with, so and so caught me, you know. So I, I, I would have never, uh, I would have never known it was against the rules in media. Yeah, I bet it's. I, I have a feeling it's just, you know, that they're the cool kids club, and that's why it's not okay. I, I bet it's not an official rule. We'll have to, we'll have to look a little more into it. But it's cool that Steve's going to give a hundred dollars. I, I don't remember if he said. I thought he said a motorsport gift card, but 
Uh, either way, somebody's going to get $100 in some form at Paula if they catch me in the act. So that ought to be a great day for me with people probably just coming out of the woodworks taking pictures to just to earn 100 bucks. But You better watch your back because you're going to have some pictures There out is of the no telling. I'm sure somebody's going to catch me like scratching my ass or... So, yeah, who scratched my balls or something? That's and it, and it will live in infamy. It'll go fucking viral because everybody will put it as their their uh, whatever their what do you call that their uh, their icon? What do you call that, Dan? What's the word um, for your your, your Twitter uh, handle and all that? What is that thing called? Not wow, I'm not sure. I can't even think of the word. Anyway, doesn't um, doesn't matter. If they're gonna make fun of me. It's what that's the game is. Make fun of Jamie. Make fun of Dark Side. F you, Steve. The other, though, yeah. the last thing I want to touch on is I did challenge him to the vet nationals. Paul made a really good point. He told Steve, "Yeah, just you shouldn't ride and you shouldn't train. And if you go beat him, it's gonna make him look really bad." That put a little bit of fear in me, <laughs> Trevor. Oh shit! What did I do? But either way. It's going to be fun. I'm going to move up a class, and I'm going to go try to race Steve if he shows up. I, I, I like the challenge. When I heard that, I was like, okay, all right. I liked it. Yeah. So, um, you, you never know. That's racing, right? That's so, it. I mean. I guess we'll have to, we'll have to wait and see. All you, all you can do is can control what you can control. That's it. You show up in shape, ready to go, and when the gate drops, to see how it ends up. That's it. I'm putting the work in. Uh, Jamie, you know what we what you can control is your hole shots, and we know <laughs> Steve can't do hole shots. Woo, he cannot. I, I need to post that video I made of him again. That'd be fun to do. We'll do that yeah. right before vets this year. Yeah, it's gonna be fun either way. You know, I I don't want to lose, but we'll see how it goes. I'm gonna ride a lot between now and then. I think so. You know, I uh, I believe I'm picking up a Husky 350 when I go to Paula. That'd be my probably the bike I ride here. Um, I don't know what I'll be racing, but regardless, your challenge, Steve, we're going to bring it up. Other than that, guys, we're about to wrap this thing up. Um, Trevor, before we go, anything that stood out to you that I forgot to mention or didn't bring up? No, I think, I think you do a great job in, in, uh, going through and, and making some notes on some, some fun and exciting topics to talk about. So I think we pretty much ran through it and, uh, yeah. Cool. Clay, anything? Not much. I will add. Besides shitting on you, Steve shit on me during the show, too. Oh, he did. That's right. Yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, he this did. guy gets you suspension. Yeah, and all oh, the suspension guy that did your stuff. And, you know, as if I don't just come on the show because it's kind of fun. <laughs> right. Yeah, Steve, man. <laughs> and I, I can tell Steve I've gotten exactly 0.0 emails going, oh, I'm in Minnesota and I didn't know you were a suspension guy. And I heard you on the Pulp Show. <laughs> for steve it's not just a grab it's fun and i yes. like being on here and talking with you absolutely and you've done it you've been on here before before you did suspension for me so yeah and yep. your suspension killed it my wife way. did too she actually beat me to it she was yep. the first one on here. that's right that's right sure enough so, yep so all right guys I, pre- I appreciate the two of you coming on i want to thank motorsport.com guts racing michelin bicycle tires and Seal Savers for sponsoring the wrap-up show. And I want to thank all the sponsors of Pulpamex, including Racetech, X-Brand Goggles, Fly Racing, Maxima, et cetera, et cetera. Go to PulpMixShow.com. 
Uh, the spot, the website's a little different now. I believe on the homepage, if you scroll down, maybe there's a sponsor tab. I can't remember, but there are icons of all the logos for all the sponsors. And if you click on those, there's links to the, to the websites, there's discount codes, use them, spend your money with the sponsors of Pulp Mix so that Pulp Mix can continue to grow his ceilings and do more shows. Cause we do appreciate it. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, criticisms for me in this show, dark side at pulpamex.com. Other than that, guys, that's a wrap. We are out of here. Thank you. Why would you want to re-talk about the Pulp Show? Tell me